Why are the maroon bells called the maroon bells? And what are the maroon bells? Plus, we're talking BL comics and jokes. I'm Gina. I'm Aaron. And this is Pod Ask. <laughs> okay, Aaron. We're back at it with Pod Ask. Nice, nice. How many times can I say Pod Ask before we're Keep saying 20 it. seconds in? Keep saying it. Yeah. So, we have two questions. Two. Uh, coming up in a little bit, we're going to talk about the Maroon Bells, which I don't know anything about. Me we neither. got an expert on I'm that. I'm interested in that. That's very interesting. But the first caller, I just want, before we play his question, I want to give him a big virtual high five because he actually asked us a question where the expert on this question works at our office. Oh. And it's like really made our jobs nice, easier. Nice, so. nice, nice. Okay, we'll play him. How do you guys make interesting comments? And find these awesome jokes. Okay, he says, how do you guys make interesting comics and find funny jokes? Mm -hmm. It's a very good question. It is a good question. The comics and the jokes are one of the most popular things we do. You would think think that we would know the answer, Aaron. I don't know the answer. But I don't. I don't know either. But I sit pretty close to a guy who does. Okay, all right. His name is Kevin. Uh Um, Is he around here? He is. Oh, okay. He's actually walking down. Oh. Oh, there he is. Come on in. Come on in, Kev. Come on in. Hello. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Hi. Okay, well, you heard the question. I think we let you know ahead of time. Now, who are you, Kevin? I'm I'm Kevin. I'm one of the I'm uh, the art director. Oh, very uh, cool. Nobody nice. would know he knows a thing about. or two yep. about comics and jokes, I bet. Yep. And for years I've handled uh, the the what we call it the book, the front of the book, which uh-huh. is heads up, and the back of the book, which is all the great comics. I thought it was a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> we have some technical That's terms. <laughs> <laughs> so you draw the comics. That's great. No. That's so, oh, interesting. Oh, Someone, he writes okay. them all. You write the comics. I found a couple of people. Uh, the thing is, um, <laughs> what a great question, first of all, <laughs> because I love comics and jokes. Doesn't everybody? I sure, mean, yeah. Don't you remember yeah. as a it's, kid? It's the most popular part of the magazine. Oh, man. I comics had, and I, jokes. Yep. I loved comics when I was a kid. I'd, I'd get a box in the mail from my grandmother. She worked at a five and dime store. Okay. This is way, way back in the day in the 80s as a kid. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd rip open this box. It was like a care package and it was full of comics and all this cool stuff. I had. That must have been great. I had the number one Star Wars. I had just a lot of great ones. It was amazing to Very cool. go back to them. But I, I, I had love the number comics. two Star Wars. I never had the number one Star ah. Wars. I had number two, though. Okay. So. There you go. Wow, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love comics. I think a lot of people do. And I, in fact, I've seen this happen one time. It was so weird. I'm going to tell something about myself. A Sunday school teacher, I handed out a bunch of Boys Life magazines to a bunch of 10 years old. 10 this year is olds. when you were little? No. Oh, this is recent. <laughs> this is within the past 10 years. Okay. And I saw it. I was astonished that they read Boys Life from the back to the front. They, they started, started with the cartoons and the jokes. Right. Found those. Found the people. That's what, t- that's what I do. Right. That's what We're going to get into the, his- the history of the jokes and all that in a minute. But actually, Thinking Grin, when it first appeared, was on the front page. Is that right? Magazine. Yeah, way back. The, the joke section, Think and Grin, was on the front page. Of the... Before wow. we get into the history thing. It's called Think and Grin, but is it okay if you think and laugh? <laughs> I think that's allowed. I, I hope they're laughing. I think that's allowed. Yeah, I think we'll allow that. Yeah. Wanna, thinking and laughing is okay. You can even grin and laugh without thinking. Can if you, you laugh want to. inside your head? Can yeah. I think laugh? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Think laugh and grin laugh. <laughs> absolutely. I, have a, I have a quick thing, a little off topic, but a great way to tell if a comedy, you say you're going to a movie, it's a comedy. How many times did you laugh? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself that. Okay, three. Well, maybe not a great comedy. Ten plus. I mean, so. We're in. And just think a great grin, you laugh think at least two times. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I hope yep. so. I just yep. keep grinning mm-hmm. and grinning. And thinking. 
Thinking Grin has uh, at least 30 or more jokes. We have a lot of custom cartoons that are made for us. I wonder us why by... they called it Thinking Grin. Sometimes back I'm, in the day. I'm thinking for hours about what the joke is, and then finally I get and then it. You grin and at I the grin. end after all that. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm glad you asked that because I actually have a printout of the very first Thinking Grin. The here first ever Thinking Grin, guys. 1916. It's very well, old. I gotta say, that looks really boring compared to what I saw. Well, the think this last part in, is here. It's all black and white. Uh, there's one illustration of what looks like a pig that I could, pro- I could probably have drawn. Right, right. Well, the think part is, is some jokes here. Norman Rockwell drew. <laughs> I don't think this that's is not a the Rock- Norman Rockwell era. Rockwell, yet, yeah. But you'll see these are actually like visual puzzles, and that's what the thinking part was, and the grin part was oh. was some jokes. Now these were not reader submitted. They weren't. They weren't. They didn't do reader submissions until the 1930s. Hmm. And the that's what, that's when they in developed America, the though. hitching mm-hmm. rack and all that kind of thing too. So we'll talk about that in a second. Cool. Can I? Uh, can I read one of the jokes here? Uh, yeah. You dare. Suppose an aviator, like an airplane pilot, was flying over the Hudson River between New York and New Jersey. What state would he be in if he were to fall? He'd be in a state of dampness because <laughs> he fell into the river. I would have said panic. They had a di- no, exactly. That's, kind of, that's like fully so wet. This is, this is a 1916 joke, folks. That's what, that's what those crazy people thought was funny back then. Oh, those people. It's very cute. You might even know one of them. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Heck, I am one of them. Oh, sorry, no. Now, that's Think and Grin, you know, and and Think and Grin appeared along with, uh, you'll see one of the ads here, along along with ads for shredded wheat, bicycle tires, ads which were ubiquitous in the old magazine, Mm -hmm. Uh, bugles, Foot oil and uh, foot $1.50 tents. They were $1.50 back in the day. For a camping it. tent? Yes. Nice. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So um, Thinking Grand didn't appear every month. And and uh, again, as I said earlier, it was uh, readers submitted. Didn't uh, Jokes didn't occur until the 1930s. But this has been here since the very beginning of the magazine. We never changed the name. 1930s was, even, was a long time ago, mm-hmm. too. <laughs> Yeah, and it was even called Thinking Grin from the very they, beginning. Never changed the how name. How did they submit the jokes um, without the internet or <laughs> without a typewriter? They handwrite. Telegram. No, I. <laughs> they tele- <laughs> they We've heard did. of uh, mail with stamps and things. Yep. Morse code yep. in your jokes. They wrote them by hand and sent them in a mail in an envelope. And in it a took like a week to get here. Exactly. Exactly. Now, eventually, uh, Thinking Grin would have return, uh, recurring cartoon characters like Millicent. The bumbling elephant. Does anybody remember? No, nope, I don't From know. From the 1950s, <laughs> and uh, until 1970, Gus, who was uh, still running in the magazine, mm-hmm. appeared January 1970 by, uh, or drawn by Orlando Bassinio, who's still doing it today. I just just got off the phone with him. He's a great, great really? guy. Did you really? Wow. So, but that is the. That's the jokes. That's where the jokes and the jokes so, come from you, the readers. Right. Okay. okay. And so the jokes in Boy's Life have literally been around since the very first issue. Yeah, they, not necessarily. But they didn't come away. <laughs> but they didn't come. Oh, and so not the very first issue. No, You're right. The right. first Early. issue was the first issue was 1911, right. 12, something like that. I'll say this. So a few years after the first issue. Ever since the first issue, we've had adventure stories, cool advice, camping tips, puzzles, games, crafts. But there's always been humor in the magazine, and I'll, this leads us to the comics yes. page. Comics. Well, jokes were invented in 1916, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. Well, it, now I tell you what did appear in the 1940s was the first Boys Life comics page. It was a single black and white page, which featured uh, Popeye, Whoa. Felix. <laughs> Felix the, the Popeye? Cat? Popeye the, the Sailor Man? Popeye, yeah. Felix the Cat. Oh. We know about him. And also another one called Crazy Cat. K-R-A-Z-Y-K-A-T and a huh. few other ca- cartoon strips. Crazy Cat was sort of like an early, uh, you know, about spy versus spy. Yeah. From that, and it was I kind of that version between a cat and a mouse. Okay. It's actually mm-hmm. kind of funny. Okay. 
Um, but let's talk about this. The very first full-color cartoon page in Boy's Life was, anybody know? I don't I have no idea. It was a, a ginger ale ad. Nice. Oh. All right. So in... It was, so it was actually an advertisement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in January 1942, uh, a full-color comics page appeared on the back cover featuring a goofball character called Super Duper who would drink Canada Dry ginger ale during the middle of a football game or a snowball fight, and then he would grow muscles and become supercharged with pep and vim and vigor and all so that. So he's kind of a Popeye thing. Instead of eating spinach, he drinks ginger ale. Yeah. And, and he, in this first version, appears to be football-themed. Turned into a blimp? Ooh, it does look like he is actually part blimp there, maybe? I'm not sure I it can tell like, what's happening no. there, but yeah. He, so it looks like he wants, the team wants a touchdown, the ball's passed to him. Mm -hmm. There's a blimp. For some reason, he sees yep. a blimp. Yeah. Oh, so the blimp is the bad guy. The blimp is, oh. We're going to need to put this online. <laughs> yeah, the for bad guy intercepts the ball. Uh, they have to stop them. Stop him! And then he becomes and he says, a blimp. Okay, and then he says, so half blimp, half the bad man. guy is half blimp, half man. And then the good guy <laughs> says, I need a Canada Dry. If I'm going to do this, I need a Canada Dry. Hey, he says, give me hey Canada Penn Barnes, give him some Canada Dry. So when you listen to rap songs and you hear them say shorty, just shorty. know it actually yep, started yep. back then. So he drinks his Canada Dry. It's super tangy. He's growing. Look at those muscles. And then he is so big, then he can just take the blimp by his hand. And get so where's the man attached to the blimp? He disappeared at that point and is no <laughs> longer back into a factor. A yeah, he's no longer a factor. Object. Right, right. Yeah. This is really I, interesting, I it. to say the least. I love the art. I love this the old. This is the first ever it's comic really in Boy's life. Early days cool. of football and how they imagined yep. that. And the forward pass was a big deal oh, yeah. back then. And the main mm -hmm. point of the ad is that, that Canada Dry uh, sure is not a, a soda player. pop. Right. It's, not a soda right. Pop. it's like spinach to Popeye. supercharged with super pep. Right. Says. Mail in order for a uh, real shark tooth. I don't know where they got that. Whoa. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you think that you could still do that? There's a lot of crazy gimmicky ads. <laughs> That's another so. pod ask episode of, of crazy <laughs> ads that have run in Boys Life. There's been some really actually, yeah, definitely really fun ones. But the, the next date to remember as far as Boys Life comics is September 1952. That's when they introduced a eight page color section. Um, and that introduced the first Pee Wee Harris, the first Bible stories. It also featured Mog the Mound Builder, Space Conqueror, a true story of scouts in action. We know what I that know is. that one. I know that and one. Yep. Kit Carson's old time, old timer tales. Aaron, you work on scouts in action. I now, do work don't on you? scouts in action. Yes, I'm the editor for scouts in action. I don't draw it. We have a, a cartoonist, a professional cartoonist who draws scouts Grant, in action. Yeah. But uh, I um, editor, I uh, supervise. What's the word? I'm the editor mm, okay. for scouts in action. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, the short answer to all this discussion about the comics is they come from these great illustrators. We hire these specialists who can do the humor and do the art as well. Right. Some of them Scott Nichol and Mike famous, Moran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We've had did, some incredible artists here. When did Pee Wee Harris come in? Well, he did come in. At that this is his premiere uh, <laughs> in, as a comic. As a comic. Now he was uh, Pee Wee Harris is a fictional Boy Scout. He was originally the subject of a series of books for boys ah. back in the twenties and thirties. Now one of these books was serialized in Boy's Life in story format, but he didn't become a comic book character until So they published like a little bit at a time yeah. in each, yeah, yeah. In each gotcha. issue. Boy's Life had a long history a long of serializing uh, stories mm -hmm. and um, comic books as well. And he's, Pee Wee is first class. First That's class his rank. Okay. Still I there. I didn't we, know that. From, from what we can tell. He needs to maybe get on with that. Yeah. yeah. First class. <laughs> maybe he's a, Work on that advancement, a service guys. project Somebody, or something. Who's a scoutmaster? That's what I know. Now, Tracy Twins was uh, created by cartoonist Dick Brown, who is famous for the well-known Hager the Horrible. I remember Hager the Horrible. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Did you know that Dick Brown is also the graphic designer who designed the Chiquita Brands Ah. Sticker logo on the banana, the, 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 banana, st- the blue banana uh-huh. sticker. Everybody's seen those. So Wait, a blue. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that little blue. Uh, it's a little blue kind Never of oval mind. shape. I couldn't tell you what kind of color know. it is. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. The Chiquita everybody, logo. There's a connection. Go between... into your kitchen and look at your bananas. Admit if they're dull. And look at the little sticker on there. Yeah, they might be. <laughs> 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 so the second we talked about September 52 is the big eight color um, section of com- comics. Uh, the second um, date to remember is January 84. Um, that's the beginning of the Tom Eaton era. Uh, the late Tom Eaton was an amazing cartoonist. He worked for years for uh, Hallmark up there in Kansas City. Um, and he drew almost all the cartoon pages for Boy's Life from the mid-80s through the early aughts. Uh, his last comics ran in uh, late 2015. Um, and so in January 84, that was the start of a multi-page section of cartoon pages and puzzles for Cub Scouts specifically. And that's when you saw Dink and Duff, Weeblos, Woody, and Tiger. Hey, we have those still. Audience. We still yeah, have those. Still yep. around. Yep. Another important date uh, after that is January 1990. Because it featured the first official uh, Pedro comic strip. Now, everybody loves Pedro. They're cheering out there. I can hear them. Yep, yep. <laughs> now, some people cheering. are surprised at that because Pedro had appeared um, in the magazine for, for years and years. In fact, I think it was um, back in the 40s when he's mentioned um, and so on. Now, he, he was first drawn by um, Reamer Keller, who was one of the most prolific uh, magazine cartoonists uh, in the mid-20th century. And he did... At one point, he was doing like 50 cartoons a week. The guy was crazy. Um, but Pedro was originally drawn by him, and he did not have a full-page comic. He was just in the hitching rack, and then he got a comic in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. He did not have his his own monthly comic until, until then, January 1990. Yeah, exactly. That's when the wacky world of and Pedro And it went straight appeared. to his head, and he's been just impossible <laughs> yep. to deal with since then. I never liked him. <laughs> and that's the history of the cartoons. And the rest, we have another- as they say... Is history. We have so many other talented people that are still doing um, Stephen Gilpin and other other cartoons of other cartoonists have taken the mantle and Scott Nichol especially. And basically, you when it, when we need some cartoons for the magazine, we have this, this set group of uh, cartoonists that we that we contact and we give them an idea. And most of the time, they they come up with their own ideas. They're so talented. So we're just we're we've been just, very lucky over the years to have many talented artists no contribute to Boys Life magazine. Yeah, some the of them best brains in comics. We got their number. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that's good actually. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Very true. Okay, so the our caller asked, "How does BL get funny comics and jokes?" Kevin, are you ready for the too long didn't listen challenge? <laughs> Brief, TLDR. Yeah, three, two, one, go. I'm, I'm blocking up already. <laughs> so uh, the, the the jokes come from the readers. We have wonderful readers, and they have hilarious jokes and ideas, and it's great. And so the the, the cartoons. Well, that answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever look at the clock. <laughs> I was, I was clock you watching. use the first five seconds to say something else. I don't. This never happened. I don't know what we nope, do. No, I think we just say good job. Well, good job. If you want the answer to where does BL get the funny comics, you gotta listen. You gotta, you gotta listen. listen. There's no too long to listen. Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, on to our second question. Um, we got another good one. Let me play it. Hi, this is Grace. Why are the maroon bells? In Colorado, called the Maroon Bells. The Maroon Bells. Yeah, so she asked, why are the Maroon Bells in Colorado called the Maroon Bells? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First uh, question, what are the Maroon I Bells? I don't actually know. Me neither. 
Um, but I'm interested. As always, we did a little research. We uh-huh. found the foremost expert on what? this. Uh, we professor. always seem to find the best esp- experts. They're always know? doctors or professors. Yep, yep. Professor but the Pine best. is his name. Um, Pine. If you're an adult, you may call him Albert. Albert Pine. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll welcome Professor Alpine into the studio. Thanks for coming, Professor. Mm. Greetings. Good, good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, are you a little bit British? Um, no. Oh, okay. No British at all. Why would you Apologies. think? Why would you think that? However, I am slightly hard of hearing, so you you might have to speak up a bit because <laughs> I suffer from uh, an affliction that many people who spend a great deal of time at high altitudes outdoors um, are susceptible to, and it's called mountain ear. Oh. I'm a, I've got a mountaineer. No, I am a mountaineer. That's what it is. I'm a mountaineer. <laughs> You've got those classic professor Dr. jokes. Dr. Pine. Yes, yeah, he's, yes. he's, he's professor fun. Uh, he had me going. I was is, like, is, yes. is this a real thing? It is real. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Mountaineers spend great deals of time at altitude outside. <laughs> I, I believe it. I believe it 100%. Oh, professor. <laughs> We're off to a good start with Professor Pine. Professor, did you hear our caller's question? I did indeed, and it's an excellent question. One that has stumped, I'm sure, countless individuals. But not you. Not me, no. And so you had a related question of what are the maroon bells? That's my question. What are the maroon bells? I'll address that first. The maroon bells are two of Colorado's 14ers. And this is the... What's a 14er, Professor Pine? Thank you for asking. 14 feet high. Oh, exactly, yeah. Close. 14 inches high? Mm Mm-hmm. 14,000 feet high. 14 miles high. Not quite miles. Oh, okay. 14,000 feet. 5280 feet in a mile. That That's like three times Everest. No. Everest is 29,000 feet. Uh, we are experts on mountains. Okay, Professor Pine, yeah. I think okay, we know what we're talking it's about half here. the height of Everest. That's oh, Correct. That's, so that's very pretty impressive. Tall. How yeah. tall Correct. is Everest? 29,000. So it is almost half. That's impressive. And some change. 32, right. I believe. 29032. I'd have to wow, check that one. I've not been to Everest, so I can't speak mm-hmm, to that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but so the Rocky Mountains, I'm sure you're familiar with yes. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So Colorado has 54 peaks that are 14,000 feet or higher. That's a lot. And those Most co- states don't have that many. Correct. Right. Um, I believe it's 80 some odd percent of the 14,000-foot peaks in the continental United States are in All Colorado. Wow, 80% of them, um, okay. There's another few in California. Mm-hmm. In fact, the highest peak in the lower 48 is in California. That's Mount Whitney. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's also Mount Rainier in Washington State, yep. which is um, 14,410. McKinley, of course. Yes, but that's not the lower 48. Correct. See, Just trick, testing trick there to question. see if you would notice. However, Mount <laughs> you McKinley. You cannot get one past Professor Pine. No. Mount McKinley is the highest point on the North American continent. Obviously, yes. Where is it's it? It's in Alaska. Yes. Yes. Oh. Correct. Also, also called Denali. Right. Oh. Yes, it changed. They changed. Or, yeah, it's. In Twilight, some happened. of the vampires yes, right. are from Denali. Hmm. <laughs> Have you read Twilight? Yes. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to. Pod ask, what is Twilight? Why would anyone like that? Ask we me. just happen to have ask an expert. Ask me next time. I'll answer. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, 14,000 foot peaks, um, colloquially referred to as 14ers in the climbing community. Mm-hmm. So if you are um, a mountaineer in Colorado or anywhere for that matter. What are you doing matter, this afternoon? I'm climbing a 14er. What are you doing? Oh my. I'm climbing that's, a 14er also. I'll be done whatever. in a couple hours. Yeah, I'll that's be back exactly soon. correct. Right, right. That's exactly correct. Right, right. So the Maroon Bells are two of Colorado's 14ers. 
Um, there's some discrepancy amongst the climbing community on how many 14ers there actually are. Um, most climbers sort of refer to a rule of thumb that to uh, be counted as a separate peak, that there has to be at least a 300-foot drop from the peak to the saddle uh, to a connected right, So a lot peak. of these mountains, it's not, it's not clear where one starts and one ends necessarily because they're all so high, the elevation is so high in general. They well, may only go down, what, a few hundred feet or something like that? can't even get up that, that high Correct. Correct, and they're and they're you close. Get the high to see. <laughs> they're close in proximity to each other, right? Stop. Gina, stop. How do they it's know how tall me. they are? Like a, a plane up there with a tape measure? That's an excellent question, Gina. <laughs> magnets. They use magnets for that. Magnetism. I hope that you can Look call in the measurement expert on the next I will. episode I'll try of that. Podass. Professor Measure Rule. Tape Measure. <laughs> um, Rule R. <laughs> so the Maroon Bells are, are two separate peaks, Maroon Peak and North Maroon Peak. Um, Maroon Peak is 14,156 feet tall, and North Marine, Maroon Peak, 14,014 feet tall. So they are listed as the 25th and 50th highest peaks in the state. Wow, so just a small difference, I mean, a relatively small difference, but a huge are, difference yeah. in... Because there's a bunch of in between. Right, right. Correct. So the statistics that I have show that the maximum drop from the summit of the North Maroon Bell to the saddle is 234 no, no, feet. What's the saddle? What is a saddle? A saddle is when you have two peaks joined together, okay. and it's the low point in between gotcha. the so two it's summits. shaped like a saddle. U saddle. or a saddle. saddle. Right, exactly. So okay. if, you, if you descend from... What do they call it a saddle, I wonder? Good question. If you descend from one peak <laughs> and you're going to the other, you will cross the saddle or the low point between them. So these statistics say that the saddle is 234 feet below the summit at a distance of 2,100 feet. So by most standards or some standards, that wouldn't be counted as a separate peak. They would be peak. considered the same mountain. Yes, mm-hmm. it would be considered a gotcha. sub-peak. Of. In fact, in fact... Um, <laughs> Singular bell. <laughs> the, maroon, the giant maroon bell. Um, there was the Hayden and Wheeler survey uh, who mapped these peaks years ago, and they regarded it as a single mountain, Maroon Mountain, and considered North Maroon as a sub-peak of uh-huh. the overall mm-hmm. mountain. Right, right. All right, so th- th- you'll see several um, of these sub-peaks in different ranges in Colorado where even though they are above 14,000 feet, um, many people don't count them as a separate peak because it's so close to the the summit next to it's it. It's like a Pluto phenomenon, really hotly debated. In the community, are in they the, separate mountains? Right, or are right. they the same? Mm-hmm. Is it a planet or is mm-hmm. it not? Mm-hmm. It's an excellent question. Yeah. <laughs> so, to your caller's query, why are they called the Maroon yes. Bells? Because yes. a lot right. of these mountains you've mentioned, Denali, Rainier, McKinley. They just sound like people's names. Exactly. Correct. It, so I predict that I just figured it out. Okay. The Maroon Bells are named after. Mr. Maroon Bell, who discovered them in 1814. I, I think that similarly that the... Um, <laughs> That's my prediction. It was like two sisters uh-huh. from uh-huh. Um, Georgia, and they <laughs> had maroon dresses, and they called them the Maroon Bells of Georgia. Why, why are they from Georgia? Well, because they were, you know, Southern, Southern Bells. Southern Bells, yes. Okay, all right. So it's B-E-L-L-E-S. Yeah, and they okay. were just called all the right. Maroon Bells. All right. Are we right? They were very tall. In- incorrect. <laughs> dang incorrect. It. Gosh, dang it. So it's a very simple answer. They're referred to as bells because of their shape. 
right? So okay. uh, you you could well, say she that you can't ring them, but no, right, but whatever. there's you know a mountain shape in general is you're sort right, of bell shaped, right? right? Okay. right. Um, so Why don't we just call every mountain bell? Well, they probably that's do. That's a good question. <laughs> call some of them. Yeah, right. um, some people like their names attached to them, so. There you go. There you go. So that's that's where the bell part of the name comes from. The what about ma- the maroon part, though? The maroon part, thank you for asking, Mr. <laughs> Durr. The maroon part comes from the rock that the mountain is made of. It is obviously black. What so a maroon. maroon. Ultra maroon. You must be a Bugs Bunny fan. <laughs> um, so there's three different types of rock on the planet, generally speaking. On the whole planet, there's yes. only three different types well, of rock. You're it, telling me there's there's many. I disagree. He's there's, trying to simplify it for you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm TLDL. Professor. Yeah. So there's igneous rock, obviously, which is formed from magma. Yes, that cools. Yes, very good. There's also metamorphic rock. All right, and this is it can be either igneous or I'll get to in a moment sedimentary. From sediment. Yes, that has been. Heated, sedimentized, and squeezed. Right. All right. By nature. Yes. And then there's sediment, sedimentary rock, um, which is compacted sediment. All right. By nature. And that, yes, that can come from other types of rock, remains of living things. Right. So dinosaurs mm. could be in sedimentary mm. rock. Towels. Right. Um, and it can <laughs> towels. Yes. Not living. Towels. Sorry. No. Um, and it can be eroded back down into sedimentary rock or pressurized into metamorphic rock. So um, most of the Rockies is igneous rock, which is very strong, hard rock. That's the one that's magma. Correct. Cooled, cooled from magma. Um, from ancient volcanoes, Gina. Oh. Dinosaur times. Yeah, like Mount exactly. Rainier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except Mount Rainier is an active volcano. <gasps> what? Yes. The maroon bells are in a range called the Elks. And they are formed from Paleozoic sedimentary rock. So what this is, is this area of Colorado used to be a large mudflat and delta. And over many years, it accumulated sediments and from the erosion of the surrounding lands and eventually got so thick, 10,000 feet thick, that it was compacted and metaf- metamorphs, meta. That's difficult to say. Metamorphosized. It metamorphosed into what is called the maroon formation. All right. So it's sedimentary mudstone and it has uh, pieces of iron ore in it. And that's what gives it its red color. So that's Uh, where the maroon portion of the name comes from. Maroon colored. Correct. Iron particles that have been oxidized into this sedimentary rock. And that's where we get maroon bells. Now, Why do you think? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing to keep in mind about that is because of the type of rock, these mountains are a little bit more dangerous to climb than some of the other 14ers. Flakes off or something? Yes. It's what a lot of climbers will refer to as rotten rock um, because it's very loose. Mm. And so as you're climbing on it, it that makes me nervous just mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. tend to come apart. I don't climb a rotten your feet. rock. Mm, yes. nope. I don't climb no any rock, rotten but rocks for me. Rock. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that's it. Well, okay. So, a couple questions. Do yes. people ski on it? Absolutely. Really? Yes. I thought you were being sarcastic. But you, <laughs> did the answer surprise you? It totally surprised me. Yes. There you yes. go. That's so, what I'm here for. Obviously not in the summertime when right. it's just rock. 
But yes, in the winter when it's covered with snow. Covered with snow and people yeah, like some, some It's on not it. so rotten, I guess, when it's got the snow on it. Well, when the snow's on it, the the rottenness of the rock isn't an issue. It's not a factor, Gina. It's right. compacted, it's compacted down the, in, in yeah. the snow. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's many mountains that um, trying to climb in the summer, they may have a lot of loose rock like that. Um, which is oftentimes referred to as scree. If you're in a scree field, uh, it's all mm-hmm. loose, kind of tiny little boulders. Mm-hmm. And so that makes for hard going, right? So think about if you're walking through a gravel dried stream bed or gravel road, that's very unstable under it's your feet, slippery. right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if you're trying to climb that, it's a two steps up, one step back sort of affair. But when that all gets covered in feet of snow, now you have snow to give your steps purchase. And so it's much easier to climb it's some routes like that in the wintertime, correct? proper shoe, oh, proper yes. foot I'm sure. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Cr- crampons and ice axes mm-hmm. recommended. Yep. yep. Okay, my second question is, why do you think this was in the mind of our listener? Any guesses? Like, is there some relevance to the Maroon Bells? That would be a question for your I mean, listener. Yeah, yeah, how would he okay. know that? Well, how I don't know Professor if it was like, well, that? recently the Maroon Bells or like... So, so she may have seen a photograph of the bells. Mm. They are one of the most picturesque sets of mountains in Colorado. Uh-huh. And there's a um, small lake that is adjacent to them, Maroon Lake. And so you'll see postcards, calendars, whatever. It's a photograph that's been you've seen many times of the bells. And because of the the way the rock is created, it gives sort of a um, stair step or striped appearance to the surface of the mountain. So particularly in winter when the snow falls on that, it kind of makes stripes that go along that and they get okay. reflected in that lake. And so it's a very beautiful scene. I think I know Sounds what awesome. you're talking about. I'll, uh, we'll make sure we put a picture with the post for this podcast on boyslife.org. So if you go to boyslife.org, go to podask, this post will be there. You can see a picture of the, of the Maroon Bells. Of the Maroon Bells. Yes, nice. it's it's near Aspen. And in fact, it's such a popular tourist destination that the um, National Forest Service is trying to manage how many people go into that area on any given day. And so you cannot drive your car to that um vantage point for a photo. They run a bus service, a shuttle, every 20 minutes. They don't want it to be overcrowded, so they limit exactly. it. It seems like it could erode potentially to over time, right? Yes. Hmm. yes. So can you hike there a little bit? Absolutely. Um, hmm. I believe that they also manage that. So if you want to do a day hike, you can do that. If you want to go backpacking there, you can do that as well, but you have to get a permit because they'll only allow so many people into the backcountry yeah. at a time. Um, it's also recommended if you are inexperienced and would like to climb the bells that you hire a guide to take you. Um, they also have another nickname as the Deadly Bells Ooh. from uh, eight people who lost their lives in 1965 through various climbing accidents on the mountain. So um, be careful, kids. Yes. If Definitely. You're, yeah. If you're not experienced, don't. They're not your mountain. And it's fair right. to say that that kind of thing sadly happens on most mountains people climb, right? So, A lot of them. Yeah. And, you know, even with the quote-unquote easy 14ers in Colorado, as we said at the beginning of the episode, it's 14,000 feet. In my feet. book, there's no such thing as an easy 14 <laughs> Right. It doesn't exist. If it's 14,000 feet high? 14,000 feet above sea level. So even if it's not a technical climb, if it's just a hike, you have to be in excellent shape. A lot shape. of uphill and yeah. thin air. Yes. Yep. You have to stay yep. hydrated. If you're coming from 
a lowland area, you know, something on the coast or even inland where you're a few hundred feet above sea level, give yourself a few days to get acclimated to the altitude, right? So maybe you fly into Denver, which is a mile high, spend a couple days there, then drive up to the mountains. But if you just go right away, um, you could get acute mountain sickness, which could then... not something to mess around with. No, it can also turn into either cerebral edema or pulmonary edema, which is when fluid collects... Both of those sound bad. ...on your lung and on your brain, yeah. I'd rather have mountaineer. Yes. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, so, Professor. Yes. We've got a challenge. We call it TLDL, Too Long Didn't Listen. We put 10 seconds on the clock and see if you can answer our listener's question in just 10 seconds. Okay. So the question is, why are the maroon bells called the maroon bells? The answer is because of the iron oxide in the rock that they're made up out of and their shape. He did it. He did it. He did it in like eight seconds. Professor, he's not like a regular professor. He's a cool professor. He is. He's like one of those really cool professors. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He'd let you go five minutes early. Exactly. Speaking of, we'll let you go five minutes early. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, Professor. Thank you, Professor. Thank you for having me. Okay. And that's it for Pod Ask. If you love Pod Ask, be sure to subscribe on your favorite listening app. If you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, call 214-659-1251, and we just might answer your question in a future episode.